Welcome to Making Sales Social Live, as we share LinkedIn and social selling training, strategies, and tips that will have an immediate impact on your business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, every week. Making Sales Social Live. This is the recorded version of our weekly Making Sales Social Live show. Thanks for joining us for this special episode of the Making Sales Social podcast. It's hard to believe, but we've been producing episodes twice a week since July of 2021. One Making Sales Social episode each week focuses on the interviews and conversations both Brent and I have had with voices in sales, marketing, and business while the other is the recorded version of our Making Sales Social Live sessions that Bryn and I host each week on LinkedIn and other social platforms. In this special episode, we have some highlights from the best of our conversations with those people behind those voices in 2023. We talked with more than 50, yeah, 50, of these great people this year. Here are the highlights from just a few of those conversations. Perhaps the biggest story in all of sales this year is the use of generative AI via tools like ChatGPT and so on. Ryan Staley, founder and CEO of Whale Boss, is one of the people at the forefront of using AI for sales. In episode 217, Ryan and I talked about those people who are skeptical about AI in sales and are worried about AI eliminating jobs in the field. I see it as potentially more of an opportunity for different sales jobs that may not even exist right now, or, you know, if nothing else, maybe, maybe more support for salespeople with, with, with people who have specific, especially what we were just talking about prompt writing experience to help their salespeople out. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's going to be new jobs that are created like on that aspect. I, I do think at the same time though, I can see companies because I hear this, I literally just heard this from a, a founder and I'm mm-hmm. like, what's your biggest challenge in sales? And like finding the right people or executives, he's like, all the other founders I talk to you have the same thing. And so like, I think what companies are going to start to do is they are going to try and enable superhuman sellers, which is like kind of my vision of what's possible. Uh, but at the same time, there's going to be a lot of people that are half in that are going to get cut. Right. So I see, I see new opportunities popping up that are not fully uh, materialized yet, right? right. And, and instead of rev ops, it might be like AI ops, right? With um, enablement from that perspective. But I do see people at the bottom that are refusing to adapt, not making it, right? So I could see yeah. a, a big trimming of folks with that. Like, and I'll give you an example. Like, I see this with um, agencies. Like, for example, I was looking at how I could repurpose video content, right? Mm -hmm. agency they're like hey to do all your clips from all your episodes for the month it'll be six hundred dollars a month right then um talking to other entrepreneurs that i know and founders and they're like i came across this tool called video ai right so video ai something really cool is like that took six hundred dollars and 48 hours for for the video clips that i got i could spend fifty dollars a month put this in and get the videos back in 15 minutes right so like that so why I'm bringing up that example is because if there's companies that are in, let's even say an agency that are using that tech versus others that are still manually doing everything by hand, they're going to get blown out of the water. And so I see the same kind of uh, analysis or not the same kind of analysis, same kind of situation happening with 
the sales world as well. For those that aren't like leaning in and leveraging it, they're going to get left behind. In episode 219, Bryn spoke with renowned sales expert Liz Hyman about social selling and CRM or customer relationship management systems. And yes, the two can go together, but there needs to be a change in mindset for that to happen. So I'm going to ask you a question because, you know, you are most known in the sales industry for two major things. One is sales process. And the other is getting that sales process seamlessly integrated to CRM. Now, CRM, when I hear this, I go anti-social, <laughs> right? Like every client I work with, they're like, we can't get our reps to use the CRM. So I'm going to start with why. Why are they not using it? So let's start there because I will tell you it is a very simple answer because you've made it so that it is not useful. So when people design their CRM, they design it with accounting's concerns and production's concerns and customer success concerns and sales has to struggle through the noise and it's not useful. It's not helpful. It's just noisy. It's just busy work and it isn't helping them accomplish what they want to accomplish. So if you want your sales team to use the CRM, have your sales team help you design the CRM that will do the work that they need it to do. A lot of times they feel like all it's about is reporting. All you care about is reporting. And so you're making it really hard for me to do my job. And so they don't use it. So what does that look like when you go into a client and say, okay, we're going to rethink your CRM and have the sales reps participate in that? How do you do that? Well, the, the first thing is to sit with the sales reps and go through what the sales process really is. Like, What does your sales process work? look like? What do you do when? What are the rules to move it from prospecting? Like, well, first, what are the stages? I use simple stages, right? I use prospect, qualify, I use cultivate, but you could use solve and close, right? Those are your three stages. And they're all four stages. And they're all INGs, right? I'm prospecting, I'm qualifying, I'm solving or cultivating, and I'm closing. They are activities happening within a stage. They are not proposal sent. Proposal sent is not a stage. I'm solving the problem. The gate to get from solving to closing is I've sent, I've gotten a verbal agreement and we have sent the proposal contract for signature, right? So those activities are the gates. They're the rules that move you from one stage to the next, but the stages are activities. There are a series of activities that are happening within a stage. So it's the first thing is Let's be really clear about what the stages are, what they mean, what the rules are to move them from stage to stage, and what helps the salesperson know where they are in the sales process. In business, the role of digital content in the sales process hasn't expanded as much as many think it has. In episode 226, LinkedIn brand strategist Jesse Von Bruegel and I discussed this point and how it's changing as the world of sales changes. Yeah, I think it's still something that's very, uh, doesn't get like enough attention within uh, businesses because A, it's, it's of course, it's a long-term long strategy uh, and there needs to be a lot of buy-in from, from the team. So what I've seen so far from like the, like the more employed world is that sure, there are some people that try it on their, on their own uh, but it's often not really like uh, 
it's more done from their from themselves than from the company itself. There, and now you see the, the trend picking up that companies start to see the importance of it. So then more of the departments are like shifted into that. Um, and I think LinkedIn is is still one of the like the biggest platforms for that. But then you see like kind of like a like a spray and pray method. What you often see, so it's like people are are good for it or like enthusiastic for like two three months then don't see the results and, and stop doing it. And especially with like, like right. the, brand, the, the, the branding and like the content game, it's of course the consistency that pays off the most. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, you see so many companies out there expecting this huge initial bang and sometimes it does happen. I mean, you know, we can't deny that, but more often than not, it is a long game and just like building um building credibility generally speaking credibility building doesn't happen immediately and and i think that there's a lot of correlation between you know just the overall thought pro process behind building credibility and then using um digital content to build that credibility because you're still building credibility in the end and and that doesn't happen in two to three months no exactly and and even if it would happen in that three months, it's often like a like a short layer, short lived effect. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I I I think that's an important point, and I do think that that really speaks to uh for for people who do have this luxury, and it is a luxury because um a lot of times you know sales and marketing kind of butt up against each other, and they really should be working together. But you know, sales and marketing collaboration is important. Um, so how do you see the relationship between sales and marketing teams evolving, especially when it comes to lead generation? And do you have any thoughts about, um, ensuring a seamless collaboration between these two departments that, like I said before, seem to be at loggerheads at times and they really shouldn't be at loggerheads. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because I've definitely like seen this clash when I was still, uh, in my, uh, like corporate, corporate job. But now as like a, a solopreneur, I'm both the sales guy and the marketeer of my yes. company. So I'm, yep. I'm wearing two hats at the same time. And that is, that, it's like a benefit because I'm at every sales call and I know every piece of content that goes out. So I think the biggest, the biggest win like these companies or like I would say teams can make is like communication is first because as a marketeer, you want to know how the sales call goes. And as a sales call, no, you want to know which kind of marketing goes out because I see marketing as like the biggest one because the better we can do at marketing, the easier the sales becomes because better marketing attracts better better prospects who are more informed, are more ready to buy, which makes the closing a piece of cake. That's why I focus most of my efforts on like crafting extremely good content for my ideal clients because then I know that the people that it attracts are a good fit. And that's of course like an always like iterative process. Uh, but I think a quick win for like like teams could be uh, just starting with okay what are the most the, the most common I would say deal breakers from a sales perspective and then we put on the the marketing hat and like okay how can we create or manufacture assets that we proactively put in the the, the hands of prospects to make sure that these deal deal breakers are not an issue anymore and that's where I that's how I always like think about these things. Finding your voice and connecting through storytelling are very important, not just in social selling, but in sales overall. 
I spoke with Robert Kennedy III of Kinetic Communications about using your own stories so that you can communicate how you can help your prospects through the products and services you sell. A lot of Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. Sometimes when we when I talk about storytelling, people say, I don't know how to tell a story or I don't have a story to tell. Nothing right. extraordinary has happened in my life. I've got two arms, two legs, two eyes, two noses, no one knows. <laughs> um, right? I've got, everything's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything's <laughs> going great in my life. What story do I tell? And I say, listen, some of the things that you've gone through in your life that are just normal for you are experiences that are encouraging for other people. For example, you at some point took a driver's test, a road test for your, for your license, right? What was that like? Did you feel nervous about it? Did you pass it the first time? Was there ever a time in school where you were uncertain about something or a test or an exam and you had to study hard or study different? Um, and you probably forgotten those experiences, but we all have these things. Is there, some, is there a skill that you had to learn for work? Is there a new application or software that you had to, to learn in order to, to do something at work or to accomplish a project or meet a deadline of some sort. You're just living life, walking by these things, but these are simple tidbits that people go through, that people experience. And when you share how you walk through it, you don't know there's somebody else who's freaked out by that very thing that says, oh my gosh, if Robert could do that thing, if Robert could pass his road test, if Robert could pass his road test after failing it once or twice, you know, then, mm -hmm. then I should probably go back for mine as well. And so if we turn that towards a sales uh, perspective, when yeah. you're speaking to your audience, when you're speaking to your potential customers, a lot of times we come at our customers with the product, with the information, with the data. And what customers really want to know is, will this work for me? Will my problem be solved or is, or how do I know? And so instead of me just saying, yeah, 49% of people do blah, 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 blah. My response to connect with them is, you know what? I went through a similar experience, right? If I'm using real estate as an example, I speak to a lot of real estate companies, real estate agents, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I might say, listen, if you're, if you're trying to convince somebody about buying a home and the process of buying a home, I lean into, you know what? I remember my first home buying experience. I remember what it was like. I remember having to go through the inspection. I remember having to go to the bank. I remember freaking out about the pre-approval. I remember having, I thought it was simple and there were all these different people that I had to speak to. And you know what? It was scary, but here's the thing. And here's the nugget that I want to pass on to you that helped me make it through. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because it from from everything that you've told me, it it kind of seems like that um, to develop these stories, people mm. actually need to be a little more present in their own lives so that mm. they can think yeah. about things, think about, oh, okay, you know, maybe I can use this 
as a story or, you know, I'll just kind of store that or maybe I'll even write something down because it may come back to haunt me, haunt me in quotes, obviously, one day, um, you know, like that type of thing. Would would you agree with that, that, that people should probably be a little more present in their own lives, come up with this stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll share two things. Number one, there's this great book by a guy named Matthew Dix, books called Story Worthy, and he has this practice in his book where at the end of each day, he just writes down five things that happened during wow. that day. Right. And then as he writes, after he writes down those five things, he writes down five little lessons. They could be big lessons. They could be just, you know, small. It doesn't really matter. But he just now has a story vault that he continues to build. Right. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing. The second thing is if anybody's ever heard of Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek has yep. this great TED talk, How Great Leaders Inspire Action. And he's got this book, Start With Why. And inside of that, he tells all of these different stories about different companies. And he ultimately says, people don't care what you do. They really care about why you do it. Right. So if I want to, if I want to be able to connect with people, especially now when they're bombarded by all sorts of information and options, people are now looking a little bit deeper into, okay, do I want to follow this person? Is this person just going to kind of grab my money and then leave? Or are they in it for the long haul? Are they committed to this? What's what's the, what's the rest of their story? That's why social media works, right? Because yeah. people people follow your stories. People mm -hmm. follow your stories on social media because they want to know why. Why you do what you do and, and who you are. So if you begin to lean into the, the, your your daily experiences and, and what that means and what the lessons are that you're learning, you'll find that you'll be able to engage and connect with people a lot easier because they're having human experiences just like you. One situation salespeople might confront when it comes to making sales social or just sales in general is being shy or introverted. Brent spoke with author, speaker, coach, and certified online marketing professional Letitia Styles about how these types of people can get the ball rolling with both social selling and sales in an overall sense. So the very first thing is to recognize that your int introverted nature is your superpower. And the reason that I say that is as introverts, we're really good at thinking through our thoughts and processing them as we're speaking. And it's such an important skill to have in sales because you can pivot while someone's talking and they're explaining something to you. You're not only listening to them, but you're understanding, okay, this is what they need. This is what I need to say. This is how I need to respond. So once we get in the conversation and we recognize that it's a sincere conversation, we're great. However, at the start, that heaviness of, okay, I got to have the conversation. So these are the things that I personally like to do. Um, I really like to deal with energetics. And so even as I'm talking right now, you notice like I'm moving my hands. This is yeah. me pumping myself up. <laughs> and so when I get started, I will, um, you know, before I have a conversation, I'll stretch, I'll get my energy fields up, get my, get my ambiance and my, my vibe up. I'll stand up. I'll walk around. I get really blood do flowing. Exactly. Get it flowing. Whenever I had days of like back-to-back -back sales calls, I made sure to put in, you know, like 15 minute breaks and I would literally turn on a song and just dance because dancing is that. something I enjoy. <laughs> so, you know, whatever gets your energy up because you're going to have to fill it every time and just recognize that that's what you're going to have to do you know, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what we signed up for. We chose to do it. You can choose to do anything else in your life. 
this is what you chose to do. So figure out what you need to do to amp up your energy, get that energy amped up, recognize that you are a, a super, you have a superpower in sales, knock out those sales, do your social selling, and then serve your clients because that's what you really want to do. Last, but certainly not least, Bryn spoke with Sherry Levitin, a top 50 keynoter in sales. She's been around social selling for many years, and she and Bryn talked about her journey from barely being on social to the powerhouse she is today on LinkedIn. Well, the, the world has changed so much, and I want to back up and just say that I didn't even know the term social selling six years ago. I didn't know what it meant, which is interesting. I had been in a vertical and really owned the vertical in hospitality and real estate for gosh, 20 years. And back then we weren't really using social. And I remember, you know, I was doing what everybody was doing. I was doing emails. Of course I was on Facebook, right? I'm, you know, given my, my age, I'm a baby boomer, right? And I had a friend to me say, you know, why in the world aren't you on LinkedIn? So this only six years ago, he said, why aren't you on LinkedIn? I said, oh, it's just a stuffy Facebook. Why would I do that? Like, I, I don't need that. I don't want that. And he also said, and by the way, why aren't you on video? You know, not only should you be on LinkedIn, but you should be doing video on LinkedIn. Um, and, and I just, I didn't understand it. And I remember I was actually on a hike talking to him and I was going up a, a mountain. I live in Park City. And he said, look, I dare you right now, create a video and put it on a social platform. Well, I didn't even have LinkedIn or I did, but I didn't do anything with it. And, you know, I was kind of mad at him because he was challenging me. And he said, and oh, by the way, the videos you do do that are like for sale, they're boring and they're inauthentic. And it's you in front of a bookshelf looking all dutied up. He says, why don't you just make a video right now, put it on Facebook and see what happens? Well, I'm like, tick that he's telling me that my videos are inauthentic, but I love a good challenge. So I said, okay, fine. I'll make a video and I'll put it on Facebook. So I made a video. I think it was like the five, you know, things you need to, to be a great seller or whatever. And I looked a mess because I was hiking. And he said, that's the point. People my age want people to be more authentic. I put it on Facebook and I was absolutely blown away. I got more views on a five minute video then I would have gotten in a year's worth of blog posts. And I sort of realized, wait a minute, if a picture's worth a thousand words, what's a video worth? Well, it turns out a lot. And it sort of changed my life. And then I thought, oh, well, he was right about that. Maybe I ought to get on LinkedIn. Maybe I ought to start putting videos out on LinkedIn. So what social means to me is going where the customer is. It's using all of the channels we need to use instead of this old school, oh, I'm going to send an email or even send a text. Well, if that person isn't on email or text, you need to go where they are. Are they on Instagram? I used to have a client. The only way he would return any message is if I DM'd him on Instagram, literally between five o'clock and seven o'clock at night. Like, so the, it's this idea of go where your customer is. And we're in such a mobile society that you better figure it out. What social network are they on? And then to really build your presence there. And one of the things that about LinkedIn is if you're selling to businesses, that is the platform. If you're selling, you know, more B2C, then you're going to want to think about, okay, maybe that's Instagram, maybe that's TikTok, but that's 
to me what, what social is. We had such great conversations with these and other business leaders over the past year. And we ain't gonna stop in the new year either. Want to hear more? You can access the full individual interviews with all of these great human beings in the library of the podcast platform you're currently on. And of course, feel free to browse all of our episodes. You'll find lots of help that can aid your digital sales efforts. And if you're not subscribing already, you know, go ahead and click that subscribe or follow button. You know what I mean. With that, I'm Bob Woods of Social Sales Link. Here's hoping your 2023 was a success and that 2024 either meets or exceeds your wildest expectations. So when you're out and about throughout 2024, make sure that you're making your sales social. Don't miss an episode. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. Register for free resources at linkedinlibrary.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.